to be with everybody today. Um, is this, do I, should I stand back from this? Or the, oh, I'll stand here. <laughs> um, my name is Father Elisha. For those of you who don't know me, I serve in uh, St. Mary's uh, Church about a half hour from here. So uh, it's, very, it's a good blessing uh, for me to be with you. And I'm not sure if Abuna Nathaniel coordinated it purposefully or not, but he asked me to speak about Elisha the prophet. <laughs> so um, it's, it's a blessing for me to do so. Um, funny story, after I got ordained, because um, if you know the way Sayyidina does the ordinations, you don't know your name until that very second that you're going to be ordained. So actually, I didn't catch it right away. I just heard a name, then I heard the whole congregation go, pss, 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 and then uh, and then I heard, uh, I was like, oh, the name Elisha. So, um, And I mean, I knew something about Elisha the prophet, but I didn't know much. I was on the plane on the way to the monastery, and um, I'm reading, I was like, if my name is Elisha, I have to know about Elisha the prophet, I have to know his story well. So I'm reading about it, and I forgot that he was bald. So I, I landed, and I, for those of you who don't know, I'm bald. So I uh, message Sayyidna when I landed. I'm like, Sayyidna, that's really funny. Uh, <laughs> he said he got a lot of text message about that as well. Um, but it, it, Elisha the prophet, um, not just because it's, you know, the name I was given, but it, it, he truly is a great prophet. And um, being the disciple um, of Elijah, um, it's, it truly, it shows us the concept of, uh, you know, mentor and mentee and how God coordinated that concept. And, you know, the concept of discipleship is very embedded in, in orthodoxy. And we see that from the Old Testament then obviously through the New Testament as well. So, but Abuna Nathaniel asked me to specifically speak about um, Elisha, the prophet, and uh, his qualities of leadership. Um, so that's going to be our main focus. So I broke up, um, and this scene that you see here is just like the one that was the, that the, the cartoon that we listened to. You see Elisha the prophet uh, watching as Elijah um, gets um, taken up into heaven with the chariot of fire. So I broke it up into three views. The first view is his calling. The second view is his ministry. And the third view is his death. So if we look at the calling um, of Elisha the prophet, there are leadership qualities in there that we can highlight and review. Um, leadership is an extremely important concept. I'm a big proponent of developing leaders within the church. Why? Because for two key reasons. Number one, when you're developing a leader by giving them responsibility, the person themselves becomes more ingrained and embedded in the church. So it's better for the leader, better for the, the person who's being served. Um, that's number one. The second thing is that by developing a leader, you're looking for the future of the church and you're developing so that that continuous uh, concept of service is there. So let's read together the calling um, if, of Elisha the prophet. It says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was 
with the 12th. And then Elijah, and these number one, two, and three, and four, you'll understand in the next slide. I'm, I'm highlighting them so we can review them. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And two, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what I have done to you. So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh. Using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So this is how Elisha the prophet um, was called. So the first point, if we can take a look at, was this concept of this mantle. What was this mantle and why was it being used and why did Elijah the prophet have to put it on um, Elisha? One, the if we read what St. Ephraim the Syrian says over here in the yellow, I'm sorry, you probably can't see it, so I'll read it to you. It says, with his mantle, Elijah took Elisha from farming to prophesying. From the view of, from the view of a symbolic point of view, Elisha represents the type of the apostles to whom our Lord said in the gospel, so stay here in the city of Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. Therefore, the mantle of Elijah signified the gifts of the spirit which, which the apostles would receive. So according to St. Ephraim the Syrian, the mantle that was put on Elisha the prophet was as the gifts of the Holy Spirit like similar to how the apostles received the gift of the Holy Spirit and then went out and they did their ministry. So the first point that I'd like to highlight from a leadership perspective about the mantle. Leaders recognize that God is the source of their gifts. So it's very important to understand that when anything that we do in church or at work or in school, whatever it is, that, that we're doing, that God is the source of all goodness. If you think about it, even from a technical perspective, anything that human beings create, anything that we do, God is the source of it. We only take of the things that he has created and do something with it. Like we can't create raw material, right? We can take the raw material that he's created and then we could do something with that raw material. But we, we can't create anything of our own. Why am I highlighting this? Because as a leader, it's, it's important to understand our own limitations and understand where the source of our leadership, where the source of everything that we do comes from. And God is truly the source of everything that he does. So by Elisha the prophet accepting the mantle accepting the gifts from God and using the gift from God in his ministry, he's, it's a good example for us to show that whatever we do, whatever responsibility we, we have, we're given that responsibility and we're given that blessing that comes directly from God. Even if you look at the apostles, they couldn't start preaching until the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it is by the gift of the Holy Spirit they were able to begin their preaching, not by our own will and by our own authority. So the first point is about this concept of um, the source of what we do. Is everything is that God is the source of it. It says, the second point that I want to make about his calling was he left the oxen. So when Elijah the prophet 
called Elisha, he found him in the middle of doing work. And we see this also in the calling of the disciples. How many times do we see in the gospel where Christ would say, follow me, and then they would get up and just follow him? It's it's very difficult concept to just to get up and leave everything and follow Christ. But leaders, by definition, are comfortable being uncomfortable because you're put in a position where you have to step out of your comfort zone and to do things that you're being asked to do. So that requires an element of faith because we don't know what's going to happen. And stepping into that position of a leader, you have to be bold and you have to be comfortable with being able to make mistakes and have being comfortable with not knowing what's going to happen. And if we think about that in our, in our own personal lives, how many times you know, do we think to ourselves that we want to know exactly what's going to happen prior to it happening? Like if you're in a relationship, I want to know, is this the right person? I want to know, is, should I take this job or should I not take this job? We want 100% certainty before we make the decision. It's never going to happen. It'll never happen. And that's purposeful, that it'll never happen. And it's okay for, for it to be like that where you're never going to know 100%. There's always an element of risk that's involved. The good thing, though, is that if we're working with God, that element of risk becomes reduced. Why? Because we're working with him as opposed to working opposed to him. So the certainty that we're looking for in our decisions prior to making them, you're never going to get it. It'll never get it. It'll never be 100% unless an angel comes down from heaven and says go left as opposed to go right. It's, it's never going to happen. But we walk with confidence. We walk with boldness. We walk with faith. And that's what faith is. Faith is knowing that I, God has got my back and no matter what happens in my life, he's with me and that, and that because he is with me, it's going to be okay. If you, again, thinking about the disciples, think about what they were tasked with prior to their ministry. You will be beaten. You will be cursed for my name's sake. Everybody's going to hate you. They're going to kick you out of the synagogues. They're going to do all these horrible things to you. But they still decided to do it. So a good quality of a leader is somebody who's willing to step into that unknown, willing to know, hey, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I have faith in God and that if God is working and if God is with me, it's going to be okay. So that's in, in him leaving. The next thing that we see in Elisha's calling is what his feeding of the people. And similar to the point that I made today in the sermon, leaders are willing to get their hands dirty. Leaders don't, you know, sometimes when you get into a position of a leader or even at work, you think about it, you know, think about any manager that you've had at work. If you yourself are a manager, there's an expectation as managers that we're supposed to know exactly what my team underneath me is doing and how to do it, right? And it's those managers that are willing to get their hands a little dirty that everybody loves, right? Because they're not sitting up high in some pedestal. They're, they're, they're willing to get their hands dirty. So leaders know how to be humble and leaders know that at times, yes, I have to manage from a distance 
And at times I have to go down and actually have to get my hands dirty. Delegation is, not, delegation is a great tool to help develop other people. But a good leader knows when to delegate. I'm sorry, when to delegate and when not to delegate. When to give responsibility and how to give responsibility. And when to get their hands dirty and actually do the work themselves. What we see in Elisha's calling is that he was willing to get his hands dirty here. He was willing to actually go and serve and feed the people. And that's an important element of a leader. Because as a leader, you're a role model. As a leader, you're an example. Right? And if... And Christ, who is the ultimate leader, it, like he told his disciples, if I wash your feet, right, then you have to do the same thing to others as well. So a leader is willing to humble himself. And usually, usually speaking, humility is what attracts people to good leaders. When the leader is humble and willing to do the work, you'll find that somebody is willing to actually follow them. The last point I'll make about his calling is what his serving and follow, following Elijah the prophet. Leaders know when to follow and when to lead, and we are called to follow and to lead. Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So Elisha the prophet, he became a disciple first before he became an actual leader. And it's always to have that spirit of a disciple and uh, a leader mean that there's always something for us to learn and there's always something for us to give as well. So good leaders recognize that there's a continuous education, there's a continuous growth that needs to happen throughout the process. Not that I've gotten to that position that there's no more that I can learn. No, a leader continues learning and continues the spirit of discipleship. It's loosely related to what the, the point that I previously made about being humble and uh, getting your hands dirty as much as possible. So these are the points that I, I, I have for about his calling. Anybody have any comments or questions about this point, about his, uh, specifically his calling? I don't know if this is an interactive, you know, discussion or not. This is the first time I do this, so you guys got to help me out. Is it interactive or not? It can be? All right, so now, now I want it to be. <laughs> So you, you tell me, is any, anybody have any comments or, or about this concept, about his calling? Or what's one point that you feel like that you've uh, uh, benefited from? Somebody, just to make me feel like I'm doing a good job. Nobody, seriously? Come on, guys, we do this to our Sunday school kids. <laughs> Monica, I'm going to pick on you. Just because I know you well. Can you say something? You've been saved by the bell. Go ahead. <laughs> Do are you are you asking me personally or asking in general? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say yes. I mean, if you look at Christ in the garden, he asked the, to, for this cup to pass, right? And even St. Paul, you know, he, he, he writes at times when he was fearful. Um, it's a human feeling to fear fearful. And, and um, sometimes we feel like when we're in a position of leadership, we need to always put on a, be a, be, put on a persona, which is true to some extent, but being vulnerable and showing your true self 
is also a good quality of a leader as well. Um, I think sometimes we, we, we look past the natural progression of a leader. And for Elisha the prophet, he was a disciple first and then became um, the prophet and the leader that he was. Going through that natural progression is helpful because being a disciple of somebody and learning from somebody teaches you how to gain those attributes and those virtues along the way. Sometimes being just put into that position right away, it becomes unnatural. Both can work, but it's, it's easier kind of when you go through that natural progression. So short answer to your question, I would say yes. It's okay to be fearful. Sure. It's true. I mean, and this is why if you look at um, the way we do ordinations in the church, it's all done by uh, nominations and people are being called into things because, and this is even why Christ, he chose his disciples, right? Because ideally, and I also said this in the sermon as well, you're looking for good soil, right? That you can kind of take and, and build up along the way. Um, it's not that I mean, we, everybody needs to have leadership qualities to some extent. But you're right, some people seek it just for the sake of title, right? And we even see that the disciples, at one point during their ministry, they had that problem as well. Right? Remember when Christ sent them out and they came back and they were happy and they were said, um, you know, look, you know, the demons are even subject to us. And they said to each other, well, you know, tell me and I'll, I'll cast down fire from heaven right now. And, and Christ corrected them. He said, you don't know what kind of spirit that you have. Don't be happy that you're subject over the demons. Be happy that your names are written, what, in the kingdom of heaven. So in developing leaders, there's, you know, a lot of good lessons we learned from that story. In developing leaders, we need to have patience. Like Christ didn't say, all right, these guys are totally messed up. I'm going to kick them out of here. No, he had patience with them. And he said, well, but they're not where I want them to be, but... I can get them there, right? So um, it, it happens over time. But I agree with you in that, you know, uh, most of the times, uh, not most of the time, but sometimes people do seek the position just for the position. Um, and that's not good. And then we've seen that uh, in a, a lot of different areas. I think there was a hand up over here. Um, I feel like life is going to make it happen, whether or not you like it, you know, um, life is going to it, it, it's going to happen. But, and why does it have to happen? Because if it doesn't happen, 
then your relationship with God is going to be limited. You're not going to get to know who God is if you don't see him working in your life. So it's purposeful that God allows these things to happen because through them and by them, our relationship with him gets closer. So, and being uncomfortable, being, sorry, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, we get to see the wonders and the glory of God. Like think about Moses, when he was asked, you know, to go, uh, you know, free his people. If, and think about all of the wonders that he had to see, that he got to see by stepping out of that comfort zone. So I would say that life is gonna make it happen, number one. Number two, we have, again, going back to the sermon, a great cloud of witness of people who have stepped out of their comfort zone to, and actually see God's work. Because if we don't, we're gonna be stuck. And then if you're, if you're gonna be in that same position all the time, that means that there's no spiritual growth. And this is why, you know, sometimes tribulation comes our way because if it's not for tribulation, we're not gonna have anything to push us to grow. Any other comments? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, if you're a parent, God bless us all, you have to be a leader, all right? So let's move on to his ministry, okay? So we spoke about the first portion was his calling. The second portion now is his ministry. He was known as the man of God. He was known as the man of God. And why am I highlighting this? I'm highlighting this because leaders, they're true through and through means who they are is really who they are and they're not putting on something just for the sake of their position or for the sake of their role or title that they have to be he was a true man of god and that reputation preceded him so having that integrity having those qualities of being known as a man of god was truly important. His personal relationship with God is what motivates his ministry and God blesses us. God blesses. Leaders are self-motivated. Sometimes, forgive me for saying this, but sometimes servants will come and say, oh, I'm not motivated, Abuna, to serve. Or I'm not motivated to, uh, in my service, or it's getting boring, or it's getting mundane. If, we, if you see that, if, you're, if you feel like you're not motivated in your service, it could be, and it often is, an indication that your own spiritual life needs some work. Why? It's that indication because if we are close with God, naturally, we're going to want to share His goodness. We're gonna want to. We're gonna want to speak about him constantly. You know what's a good example of that? Remember the story of the Samaritan woman. She went to the well with her water pot. When she tasted and saw how good Christ was, what did she do? 
she left the water pot and she went directly back to her city and she said, come, look at a man who told me all that I ever did. So leaders are self-motivated. And leadership specifically in the church, it's a direct correlation with your relationship with God. If the relationship with God is healthy, then you're going to constantly be working and constantly be doing and constantly want to share the good news. It's like, remember when also in the book of Acts, when Peter and John were arrested, and what did they tell them? They said, don't speak the name of Christ anymore. What did Peter and John say? Anybody remember? They can't. They said, what you're, what you're asking me to do, I can't do. I cannot speak but the things that I saw and I believe. Why was that? Because they, they were so close to Christ. They saw him die. They saw him rise. And because of that, that was their motivation. So a leader is self-motivated because the message is bigger than anything else. So in service, in everything that you do, if you have a leadership role at home or at work or whatever it is, you have to become that source of motivation. And people need to look at you. And, and, and from your own self-motivation, they will become motivated. Anybody who has a child in this room, think about it. Anything that your child is going to do, if they don't see you doing it, it's going to be much harder for them to do. How are we going to encourage our children to stand up and pray in their rooms if we don't stand up and pray in our rooms? They're not going to do it. They're not going to believe it unless they see it. So the self-motivation point is extremely important. And Elisha's personal relationship with God is what motivated him. And because of that, God blessed. See, it's true once we make that decision and that step to get close to God, He will bless everything that we do. And working with His blessings is so much better than working with our own logic. And this is, and Elisha was a great example of that. And that's because of that, He received double the portion of the blessings that Elijah the prophet did. Double the, bless, the blessings of, of the portion. And just as a side note, that's why I say the name me Elisha, because he loves Abuna Eleya so much. He was just like, you know what, I want, he's, Abuna Eleya is so good, I want you to be, you know, double the, uh, the goodness of he is. So it was, it was a huge honor for me to even, uh, just to be, have that blessings of, uh, of Abuna Eleya. But if we look at the miracles, and these are, all, I'm not going to go through them all, but we, if we look at all of the different miracles that Elisha the prophet did, and, and if you count them, they are truly double. Right? And Elisha the prophet, he, he did all of the, he, like he raised people from the dead. He's the only prophet who raised somebody from the dead before and after his death. Right? And, and then we're going to, I'll talk about that point as well. But we see how that when, when you're self-motivated, right, during your ministry, and, you're, and you, that is the, the key quality of a leader, and that's how you push people to follow People will follow the message if the leader is self-motivated. But you're not going to be self-motivated unless you have that true and honest relationship with Christ. Otherwise, it's not going to... People can tell. You can feel when somebody's being real and somebody's not being real. You can just feel it. You know it. So 
that self-motivation is an extremely important uh, point. So I just wanted to highlight that about his, about his personal ministry. Right? And, 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 you know, he did a lot of miracles. For example, one miracle that I wanted to highlight. Um, where is it? Oh, this one. The purifying of poisonous stew and multiplying the bread and grain for the sons of the prophets. This multiplying the bread and grain, we don't think about it often, but it's almost exactly what Christ did when he fed the 5,000 in the wilderness. It's almost exactly the same thing. They were there in the wilderness. I mean, he fed less than 5,000. Elisha did. But it's the same concept. It's the same thing that Elisha the prophet did as, as Christ did himself. So, um, yeah. Any, any comments or questions about this self-motivation point I, I highlighted here? Is it, do you find it difficult to be self-motivated all the time? Yeah? What is one of the challenges in being self-motivated? What would you say? Yeah. <laughs> it's tiring. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So how, what is something that we can do to help with that self-motivation, that consistent self-motivation? Yeah, I agree, prayers. You said stillness? Okay. That's a great point. You know, it's in life. Sometimes, you know, we're um, we're tackled with trying to do so many different things. But if we focused and, and tried to prioritize the things that are of the most value, um, it's okay to not be able to do everything. But choose the things in life that we prioritize and that are valuable to us and put your energy and effort into those things and God will bless. And you don't, let's not overwhelm ourselves. Right? You know, I, I try, I'm a big proponent of practical um, solutions to our life with God. You know, if we set the bar too, too high, it's not going to be attainable and then we're going to feel as if... Uh, we're going to fail and then we're not going to want to do anything. So set the bar at a, a goal that you can actually reach. And it's important to be consistent in our spiritual life. That's why, like, you know, I like to come up with, like, a, a reasonable plan with the people that I sit with in confession. Why? Because if it's, if it's too, too difficult, you're not going to be able to do it. And consistency is the most important thing in our spiritual life walk consistency you know like you think about it you know with a husband and a wife can you go a day without speaking to your spouse or can you go a day without speaking to your children right maybe some of us would like to but but it's that consistency is important you know consistency with God that that desire to want to speak with him and if we think of him as if he's our spouse and he is truly our father we'll want to speak with him consistently the last point is about his death elisha the prophet's death and we'll look at there is a, a point that we can gain from leadership here as well it says then elisha the, died and they buried him 
And the raiding bands from Moab invited, invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. When the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Did somebody say? I don't know who it was that said that. And by the way, just this is, uh, just as a, as a side note, this is part of the reason why we venerate and honor the relics of saints. Um, sometimes we forget, we think that our walk with God is all, is all spiritual. It's not just spiritual, it is physical as well, which is why we partake of body and the blood of Christ, which is why he took flesh. So our bodies are meant to become holy. And this is uh, proof for us is that when we keep our bodies holy and pure, the things that can happen with our own bodies. And Elisha is the only prophet who raised somebody from the dead prior to death and after death. The point that I extrapolated from this story is what? Leaders, true leaders, inspire and their work continues even when they're not around. Look at what Elisha the prophet did here. His job as a prophet and as a man of God was to bring people back to God, to bring people from death to life. And he did that prior to death and he did that as well after death. Leaders shouldn't always have to be present for their work to get done. You know, and as I was putting this together, I'm like, you know, it's funny because Abuna Nathaniel's not here today. But look, because he's such a good leader, right? Look at all of the servants and all the work that's being done here because he doesn't have to be here because he trusts that the servants and the work that's being done will happen whether or not he's here, right? Good leaders can trust. Good leaders, they've delivered the message so much and they've delivered it so clearly and so well that what, even the times that when they're not present, people will still follow. So leadership, there's a lot of qualities that we can gain and that we can learn from looking at Elisha the prophet um, and, and apply as much as we can to becoming good leaders. Becoming a good leader doesn't happen overnight, but it's a process. And we're all called to lead and we're all called to follow in different capacities. And it's important to know when to turn that switch on and when to turn it off. And I think that um, that grace and that wisdom of knowing when and how to lead comes with the, with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I pray that God gives us this wisdom and I pray that we can take the spirit and the power of Elijah and Elisha and we can apply it in our lives as much as we can. Uh, just before I close, does anybody have any uh, comments or questions about anything? All right, and glory be to God forever, amen. I don't know what happens now. Pray? Okay. <laughs> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, Lord, for everything you have given us. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to have this um, afternoon together. We ask you, Lord, to bless us as you blessed Elijah and Elisha the prophet. We ask you, Lord, to... Give us the spirit of a disciple and the spirit of a good leader. Oh Lord, you want us to be good leaders as you sent out your holy disciples. 
to preach the good news to the entire world. We ask you, O Lord, to fill us with your Holy Spirit. We ask you, O Lord, to give us with the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of love and the spirit of true evangelism so that people can see the light of Christ in us and that they may follow you. We ask you, O Lord, to help us to stay self-motivated and to help us to stay consistent in our spiritual walk with you so that no matter what happens in our lives, our eyes are always fixed on you. And as the Samaritan woman left her water pot and ran to you to preach the good news, let us also leave behind, O oh God, all the, the worries and the things of the world and focus our eyes on you and doing your work. We ask you, O oh Lord, to please bless this meeting, to bless this church, and to bless Abuna Nathaniel and all of the servants of the church. Please accept our prayers and our love through the intercessions of St. Mary and St. Mark and of all of your angels and martyrs and saints. Hear us when we say together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of his only begotten Son, our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the gift and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace and the peace of the Lord be with you all.